Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest in West Coast Live is a prolific writer. In fact, he's so prolific, I think they uh, elected him to be president of the Authors Guild because of that. Uh, his books include Crackers, One Fell Swoop, About Three Bricks Shy and the Load Filled Up, First Hubby, Roy Blunt's Book of Southern Humor, I Am Puppy, Hear Me Yap, uh, Robert E. Lee, Feet on the Street, Rambles Around New Orleans, and a recent collection of essays called Long Time Leaving Dispatches from Up South. And it's, uh, it's got kind of a parking sign, kind of looks like a rusty New York parking sign as part of the graphics. Please welcome Roy Blunt, Jr., to West Coast Live. How do you do? Hey, Sedge. Thank you very much uh, for being here on West Coast Live and uh, Joe's Pub. Yeah. And, and uh, I understand that people aren't accustomed to waking up early in New York City on Saturday mornings. No, I'm especially... Yeah. I'm uh, not sure that I have waked up yet. <laughs> Sometime along, I hope in the course of this conversation that I will wake up. Good, well, we'll try to do our best, and if not, we'll splash some water on your face. Yeah, good, dude, go ahead. I would... What is the, uh, what, what are the duties of the, of the president of the Authors Guild? Well, it's kind of a ceremonial post. You get, you get a secretary, an office with a view? People dance around me and things like that. Um, no, I don't get anything. So if I have to uh, preside over meetings, which is kind of fun. I drive the meeting. That's what George Bush is supposed to be good at, is getting the me- meeting over quickly. So are you a decider? No, no. no. I'm just sort of a presider. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then I have to write a column every three months for the uh, bulletin, for which I don't get paid. Wow. Is that an issue? It seems like... Can you bring that up with the Guild? I don't know whom to bring it up to. Um, seems like, I mean, the, the, my guiding principle throughout life has been to get paid, and now that I'm the president of an organization who's determined, whose goal is to get everybody paid, I'm not getting paid. It doesn't make any sense. There's a, there's a disconnect there somehow. Now, you know, the, the, the country has been enduring a writer's strike for, for, for many months now, and it occurred to me, what if authors went on strike? <laughs> I'm not sure anyone would notice. <laughs> um, you know, it would take a while for it to show up, yeah. you know, because the books are already out there. I'm trying to get paid for a book. I just found out that my publisher, a distinguished publishing house, uh, which is already editing the manuscript. I mean, I'm go- it's already gone to the copy editor. And they haven't officially accepted it yet. So I don't get paid for several weeks until they officially accept it. What that means, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, they're already planning my publicity tour, and they haven't officially accepted it. What, what is the event when it's officially exactly. accepted? Yeah, I don't know. This is the first time I've come up on this in 21 books. But there's some official, I don't know. It means that they're sitting on my money is what it means. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, they're waiting for the stock market to move another direction, perhaps. Well, yeah, or waiting for yeah, somebody to pay them. And uh, I don't know. I don't know where. I guess they're waiting for the bookstores to... Uh, to uh, send in their money, and the bookstores are waiting for some. It probably there probably is only about $120 in cash in the economy out there. The rest of it, rest of it is float, float and promises. Float and promises. That's exactly right, and that's all I have at the moment. When you, when you put together a collection of essays, uh, for instance, this uh, this this book, copyright 2006, you've got essays in there from the the 90s, perhaps before 1992. 
Do you, are, are there things that you would look at that you'd written and published and you thought, you know, like a carton of milk, that's <laughs> had a pull date on it. We shouldn't, uh, that's, that's got to come off the shelf. Oh, yes, my goodness. Um, yeah, I re rewrote a bunch of stuff in there and, uh, and certainly didn't reprint everything that I had written. And all. It, it's all, the things in this book are all about the South or being a Southerner in the North. And so it does have a kind of, you know, it's not just a complete um, mishmash of different stuff. And yeah, oh gosh, yeah. Well, there are some things are dated references, for one thing, but um, lots of things. I could, as Kathy Pollock was just saying, your first draft is not your, your first thought is not your best. And uh, it's nice to be able to go back over stuff, and make it look, you know, like it's uh, you know, go back over it and freshen it up and make it timeless in a way. Make it timeless, exactly. Because in many ways, I mean, they are they are uh, they represent slices of, of time. It's, a, it's it's bits of history. Right. Yeah. I mean, there were there were a few sentences in there that did not seem to have been carved into granite, but now they are. <laughs> now they're all sort of uh, they're like sedimentary rock. They've settled enough and uh, uh, <laughs> settled. I guess so. Yeah. You could just hit them with a hammer and they'd be the same. Hard. Hard. Hard, hard hitting. Hard hitting. Yeah. Hard. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're. Uh, uh, sort of, some of them are kind of bronze, and some of them are kind of uh, marble, but they're all hard. <laughs> was there a, uh, 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 an elementary school teacher who encouraged you? Well, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of really good teachers, but my main encourager teacher was uh, my 10th grade English teacher, Ann Lewis, who, whom I'm still in touch with, um, who just, I mean, I was still, I was about to except the fact that I was not going to be a three-sport immortal, which was my original goal in life. And What were the three sports? Baseball, basketball, and football, the only sports I had heard of up to that <laughs> point. Um, but I, I had already sort of died in all each sport, and so, and I was only 15, so uh, <laughs> I, uh, but she, and, and I would, you know, she, when English teachers gave us an assignment, like, you know, what I did last summer, I would always, write about my pencil or something, you know. So I was sort of postmodern even then. <laughs> and uh, so she, she said, why don't you be a writer? And I said, okay. So that, and that was she, it. Yeah, she was a great teacher. She gave me, she had all these old New Yorkers stacked up in her apartment in Decatur, Georgia. And, um, and I had never seen anything like that. And I read all those New Yorkers, and she said I could be a writer like, uh, you know, like S.J. Perlman or Thurber eventually, one of those guys. And so suddenly I had a whole new bunch of heroes, and uh, I thought, oh, I can do that. And I didn't realize how far I was from being able to do that. But, um, you know, she... Well, well when, she, did you, when, did you, when did you realize that you were actually in that league? <laughs> That's just the first time. Now that you said that. <laughs> Thank you. Good, I'm through. That's what I came for. No, I don't know. I, I, I had a few things published in The New Yorker myself, and, you know, started publishing things in books. But uh, you have an interesting essay about Mark Twain. And yeah. Somebody described him as being heavy-handed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. It was, you know, it was, it was Oliver Stone, of all yeah. people, said <laughs> something about, uh, you know, something to the fact that some, some movie, it was some dumb movie, actually, and he said it was, you know, comic in a sort of crude uh, uh, way, you know, sort of over overstated, uh, exaggerated, heavy-handed way, and if anybody's overstated, exaggerated, heavy-handed, it's Oliver Stone, not Mark Twain. <laughs> Mark Twain is, got, is a, has a wonderful finesse, and uh, and uh, 
you know, has got a great um, command of, in fact, well, Ernest Hemingway said that uh, all modern American literature comes from a book by Mr. Mark Twain called Huckleberry Finn. Um, Mark Twain set, what's the word for it, um, the uh, template of American narrative prose. He's a great writer, and, and, and better at the level of sentence than he was at the level of story, actually. Mo I mean, Huckleberry Finn works because it, the river holds it together, but most of Mark Twain's books are just bizarre, baggy contraptions, but he writes wonderful prose. You, you would call The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, then, a baggy construction, well, to no, held together by a painted fence. I tell you, yeah. No, well, held together by white paint, whitewash. Right. No, Tom Sawyer actually is, you know, a nice... Uh, organized story, but it's also not Mark Twain at his best. But, I mean, the Confederate, uh, I mean, the Confederate, uh, Connecticut, Connecticut Yankee, what is it? What's Connecticut Yankee and King, King Arthur's, Arthur's Court. Court. Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. It, it would be a different story if it was a Confederate Yankee. I know, Confederate Yankee. Or maybe just a Confederate, anyway. Yeah. Um, is uh, extraordinarily uh, sloppy and strange and... Mm, you know, at one moment it's horrible and you know horrifying, and at one moment it's uh, heavy-handedly comic sometimes. But uh, so, at any rate, I mean, people think of Mark Twain and, uh, and Southern writers in general as storytellers. You know, but Mark Twain could tell a, a great anecdote, and uh, but mainly what he was good at was uh, turning a phrase and and uh, and capturing, uh, mixing the American vernacular with uh, formal prose to just to. To great effect. He, his, I, I like his, aside from Huckleberry Finn, I think his best stuff is uh, his short essays. You, uh, you were also a, a usage consultant mm. for, what is it, the American Heritage Dictionary? That's right. I'm on the so what, what is, how does that work in daily life? <laughs> in daily life, it means that I'm very careful with my who and my whom. <laughs> um, and your witch and your that? Witch and my that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a little looser with my witch and my that, but <laughs> there are clear rules for who and whom. Um, the, yeah, I, in fact, my next book, which is coming out in October, the one that I ha hasn't been officially accepted yet, is, uh, is about words. It's called Alphabet Juice, and it's all about, um, you know, uh, matters of correct usage, but mainly about matters of exuberant usage, you know, uh, the joy of text. The joy of text. Yeah, I thought about calling it that, but. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so uh, alphabet juice. Yeah. Alphabet juice. Yeah, juice like in uh, power, energy, right. uh, excitement, sex, uh, liquor. You right. know. So, what? Uh, what's the premise? Is, is it? Is it? Uh, is it a take up where Strunk and White left off? Yeah, it's it's a. Or each shoots and leaves. Well, yeah, it's more. It's uh, it's more fun than either of those. <laughs> I think it is. Speak, speaking as a non-self-promoter. That's right. right. I had a wonder. It's the only book I've ever really entirely enjoyed writing and hated to stop writing. Did you, did you take uh, letters? Uh, is it words in alphabetical order? Alphabetical order. That's a great thing. I don't, I'm talking about Mark Twain. I don't have a uh, structure as my weakest. Uh, Thing as a writer, I, you know, I tend to wander off and go off on tangents. But if you've got the alphabet as your structure, you can just do whatever you want to because you've got, uh, you know, just and you, I didn't I didn't write it in order. I just hopped all around and uh, stuck it in, uh, you know, under alphabetically under the word that I was uh, mostly writing about. So what what, uh, what what's an example of one of the words? Well, okay, here's an example of a phrase. Let me think what it is. Uh, oh, I have a great example, but I can't remember. The, um, 
Oh, I, I had a nice image though of oh, you, of you, of, of you sort of going off in tangents, but tying it into a river, those sort of oxbow rivers that would sort mm -hmm. of meander through the landscape, and sometimes they get kind of cut off and they become little oxbow lakes. Right. Yeah, I like I like to write like that, and uh, some people don't like to read like that. <laughs> uh, no, the one I was the expression "goody two shoes." Um, goody two shoes comes. I just happened to see in the dictionary once. The expression, I don't know why I was in it. Anyway, I just saw that expression somewhere and it said it came from an, uh, an 18th century um, children's story. And I thought, that's interesting. And I went, and now because of Project Gutenberg, which has put in, putting all sorts of out of print things on the web, you could read that whole children's book. And it's a funny story. Goody Two Shoes, you know, we think of Goody Two Shoes as this too sweet, too uh, falsely generous kind of. You know, uh, uh, I mean, it's the kind of thing that Ann Coulter thinks liberals are. <laughs> uh, but I, I think she th finds liberals a little more insidious than that. that. Yeah, right. right. But um, it, it, it's a funny story. It involves a, a, a raven named Frank or something like that. It's it seems like a, a tongue-in-cheek children's story for one thing, and, uh, and it turns out that it was probably written by Oliver Goldsmith for money. Um, and it does read like, and Oliver Goldsmith was a remarkable character. So, in other words, I was a, one time, uh, Oliver Goldsmith was such a generous person and such a crazy person that one time he was um, out in the street and he came upon a woman and her child who were cold and he gave, the, gave them his clothes and went home. The reason that came out was because a friend came by his rooms in Oxford and knocked on Goldsmith's door and Goldsmith said, come on in. And he saw Goldsmith's head sticking out of his feather, um, his mattress. And Goldsmith had given away all his clothes and was cold and had gotten down inside his mattress. The only way he could get, I don't know how he got out of that, but. Uh, so, so it sounds like he was just a generous soul. He was generous in a highly eccentric way. So he was sort of a goody two shoes. And, uh, um, but this is a fun, it's a still, there are not many things that are still funny from the 18th century. And, no. uh, <laughs> it is. Well, that's one of them that uh, lingers. Yeah, goody, yeah, look it up on the web. It's there, goody tissue. So was the web a, a source of, uh, of uh, sort of reference material for you? Yes. Yeah, I, got, I did a lot of stuff because there's a, I mean, I have every good dictionary, English dictionary there is, I think, when I love to, they're all stacked up around my chair um, in my office at home. But, um, I would go, also went online a lot. There's a, there's a website called Etymonline, E-T-Y-M-O-N-L-I-N-E, -E, which has etymo etymological stuff on it, which is it's good. It, it comes from reliable sources. It's not, there's, there's a lot of folk etymology out there which, uh, on the web which you should beware of, like the notion that uh, the expression dead ringer comes from the old custom of having a... Uh, burying people with a little bell so they could uh, <laughs> ring it if they woke up. That's just not true at all. Um, the, What's the source of it? Uh, some jive etymologist just yeah. made it up because it sounded... No, 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 but I mean the actual well, expression. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, a ringer a ringer is uh, like if you've got a softball team and uh, Derek Jeter uh, happens to live next door, you, you disguise Derek Jeter and ring him in on the other team. He's, uh, he's you know, a ringer is somebody who's a really good player who, um, that you sneak in and pretend it's not this. And dead just is like dead 
solid perfect. You know, dead, yeah. dead in that sense means uh, a dead ringer is somebody who looks exactly like somebody else. So, so, uh, but that's not to be confused with a dead ringer, which is a washing machine that no longer works. That's right. Dead ringer. You know, the, I learned. Uh, Found that one on the internet just now. We just looked that up. Yeah, uh, I had I have an Italian phrase now. I can't remember. It. Um, oh, uh, in Italy, I learned this sort of operatic phrase, centrifugioni finale, centrifugioni finale. That means spin cycle. Ah, centrifugia finale. Centrifugioni finale. Do you know much other Italian? No, that's all. <laughs> that and C. 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 I, I find dove uh, dove, a good, yeah, dove. You know, dove il gabinetto. Yeah, yeah. Prego. No, what's that? God, I don't even know. Prego, yeah, prego. There you go. See, see. Ma. Mama. When you go to a, when you go to a foreign country, do you do you find yourself missing your your mother tongue that you that you started wanting to make jokes or comment in your own language, and then you realize that they're not going to get it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm. Not, I love language, but incidentally, the word um, for mother in almost every language it starts with the letter M, the sound of M. And this is literally true that uh, the word mammal, the species of animal that we are, and also the word matter for the substance of everything, comes from baby talk originally because it comes from mama, the mammary gland, and uh, it comes from baby talk. And I extend that a little further, which is to say that uh, it comes from, from nursing, you know, mum, 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 mum. I really think that lots of, it, it's a, See, we, we get back to catholic this way and, and plastic yeah, surgery. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right, 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 right. And I'm trying to work my way back to a mixture of oud and beach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we can do that. We, you know, we, we're about tangents on this show. I understand right. the Oxbow yeah. River phenomenon. Right. Roy Blunt, Jr., the, uh, the new book here is called Long Time Leaving Dispatches from Up South. And the newer book, not yeah, yet not uh, officially, officially accepted, yeah, is Alphabet Juice, out Alphabet. in October. 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 Alphabet juice. Thank you very much. Roy Thank Blunt, you. Jr. here on West Coast Live. Here at Joe's Pub. This is Sedge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.